you are Locked On Dodgers, your daily Los Angeles Dodgers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So I say D, I say D-O, D-O-D, D-O-D-G, D-O-D-G-E-R-S, team, 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 Hello, Dodger fans. Welcome to Locked On Dodgers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one local sports daily podcast network. Locked On, your team every day. This is the daily podcast covering the Los Angeles Dodgers, bringing you the smart fans' perspective on our boys in blue. I am Jeff Snyder of Baseball Essential, along with Vince Semperia of Chavez Ravine Fiends. Vince, how the heck are you? Jeff, I'm good. I, uh, we're in a new norm now, so I'm feeling good. That's good. Yeah, it's uh, it's been kind of nice that we've... Uh, We've been able to record together a lot lately, so uh, that's probably more than it would have been during the regular season. Yeah, it uh, probably would have been to a bunch of games. Yeah. Uh, speaking of going to games, today's is today's April 15th, Jackie Robinson Day, which isn't happening. Last year on Jackie Robinson Day, you and I were both at the game when Jock hit his walk-off home run. I believe that was, uh, was that the Dodgers' first walk-off of the season last year? I think. I'm not sure, but I think so. I think it was. And, uh, yeah, I was there with my daughter. You and I hung out before the game. Good times. Hopefully we'll get that again someday. Yeah, hopefully. So today we're going to talk a little bit about some actual Dodgers news. And then we're going to jump back into our 2017 retrospective, talking about the trade deadline and then the month of August in 2017. So that's the plan. But first, we want to remind you, please subscribe to Locked on Dodgers wherever you get your podcasts. And when you get in your car or plop on your couch, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Dodgers. All right. So on, I don't know what days are anymore. Uh, what Tuesday? Um, yes. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> I had to think too. <laughs> uh, Jeff Passan of ESPN and then a lot of other people uh, tweeted out uh, that MLB is participating in a massive coronavirus antibody study with up to 10,000 tests taken nationwide over the next two days. And he says, researchers hope the results offer a far better understanding of how coronavirus is spread. Uh, a couple notes. Uh, the antibody test, which detects whether a person contracted coronavirus regardless of symptoms, is not taking away the ability to be tested for the disease from the sick or healthcare workers. Uh, it's a test that's used typically used for research and epidemiological purposes. I said that right on the first try. Um, it also says further, the results will not help determine whether MLB can return any sooner. Um, really it's just MLB was a big corporation with a bunch of people. And so it made sense to use them. Uh, they've been, you know, kind of around a lot of people. And so, uh, these tests will test them to see if they've had the virus, because as we know, some percentage, and I've heard a lot of different numbers uh, of people who get the virus never show symptoms. And so if they don't happen to get tested when they're not symptomatic, they might never know that they had had it. And so this, uh, this is kind of key. One of the keys is finding out, you know, if they were to do this and discover, oh, wow, 50% of the population has the antibodies. Well, that changes things. Obviously, I don't think it'll be that high. Uh, but it's interesting that baseball is taking part in it, and uh, it was voluntary. But from what we've read, 27 of the 30 teams are participating, and the Dodgers are one of them, right? 
Yeah, Dodgers are one of them, according to Liz Habib. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's cool. It's interesting, the aspect of it, you know, MLB being a part of it. Uh, they basically fit the exact criteria of having a bunch of people across the country in different metropolitan areas. Um, so, I mean, it's good for them. It's good that uh, a lot, I mean, 27 out of 30 teams, it's very hard to get 27 out of 30 people to agree to anything. So that's pretty cool. And like I said, it's not going to help us get baseball by getting faster, but if it can help in somehow, some way of something else, then that, that's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. At this point, the baseball kind of takes the backseat to overall good of the country. And this is definitely good for research. And if it can help scientists figure this out quicker, all the better. Um, so that's it for actual news. So now we're going to jump back into 27. Oh, wait, one other oh. thing. Uh, Gavin Newsom did say that he doesn't expect there to be large gatherings this summer. Doesn't necessarily rule out Dodger baseball, but it kind of rules. It would rule out Dodger baseball with fans. Yeah, if he's correct, it would rule out Dodger baseball with fans. Uh, things change so much that I, uh, I have a hard enough time taking doctors' words as as gospel on this, and definitely politicians' words are worth less to me. Not anything about against Gavin Newsom, just you know. He's guessing like the rest of us. So, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's not promising, but uh, I'm going to keep my, my hopes up until they're dashed. That's True just my same. nature. So. Um, all right. So let's jump into 2017. The trade deadline happened at the end of July, but we're lumping it in with August. Uh, the Dodgers acquired two left-handed relievers, and it looked like that was all they were going to do. They got Tony Watson from the Pirates, and they got Tony Singrani from the Reds. And then the trade deadline came and went, and that was all they did, Vince. But then, what was it, like 19 minutes after the trade deadline, uh, Ken Rosenthal bomb said, oh, by the way, the Dodgers got you, Darvish, the best starting pitcher available. And uh, they traded Willie Calhoun and two other prospecty guys for Darvish, and it was a huge deal, right? Yeah, it was huge. I remember I was at Raiders training camp that day and you weren't allowed to have your phone out after a certain time, like after the first 10 minutes of practice or whatever. So it was around the same time and it, it was ending around one. So when it ended, I was, I was kind of checking my phone real quick through the side. I saw the Watson, I saw the Singrani. Um, and then when it's kind of wrapping up and everything, and I, I see the U Darvish trade, and I, I tell my homie, "Hey, we got yo, we got U Darvish." And then obviously, you know, quickly, he went to go get autographs. I was busy on my phone posting stuff for Ravine Fiends, and yeah, it was exciting. And, and you know, a lot of the revisionist history will be that the Dodgers didn't get Justin Verlander, but at the time, U Darvish was a better pitcher than Justin Verlander, and you know, the Dodgers were linked to U Darvish. A lot of the names that were thrown around were bigger names, like. I mean, I think even Alex Verdugo might have been thrown around back then. But they ended up getting him for Willie Calhoun, who didn't necessarily have a defensive position that would fit the Dodgers' needs. And a couple of other prospects that you know weren't really top-tier names. So it just went with the theme of recent years where the Dodgers have got some pretty premium talent, taking a chance on guys that are about to hit free agency, uh, but not giving up as big as prospects as they would have for other guys. Yeah, yeah, that Verlander point is a very important point. Darvish is a few years younger than Verlander, had better numbers 
in 2017 and a better recent track record. Verlander looked to everyone like he was, you know, on the downhill slope of his career. And it wasn't until after the trade deadline that he started to kind of actually, his last start of July was solid. And then he pitched well in August and then the Tigers traded him to the Astros. Uh, But at the time that Darvish was traded, he was head and shoulders, easily the best starting pitcher available. And the Dodgers went and got him and it it helped. He pitched really well uh, for the most part in the regular season. And he pitched really well at times in the postseason, but not at all times, sadly. And the other part is, you know, Watson and Sangrani were no slouches. Uh, Sangrani, I guess, was a little more of a, a of an unknown, but Watson was very solid and uh, very good. They did give up a prospect who's maybe panning out in the next couple of years, but nothing to the. I mean, Tony Watson was one of the reasons. Uh, you know, they would have won a World Series if they did get if they would have ended up winning it. And Sangrani, out. You know, I always like Singrani because of his stuff, and I figure anytime guys come from other teams to the Dodgers, they usually pitch better than they did. So that's what I was expecting with him, and, and that's pretty much what happened. Uh, and they also got rid of Scott Van Slyke, who was a very big pain at that time for Dodger fans. So uh, it was a, a welcome trade deadline all around. Absolutely. Uh, so in a minute, we're going to talk about the month of August in 2017. So keep it locked on, Dodgers. Let's talk about Postmates. Um, you might be ordering a lot of Postmates right now, or you might be looking for an app that does exactly what Postmates does, which is deliver you food or groceries uh, within an hour from, for most for the most part. So if you don't want to leave your house or you just you know want to be lazy and stay home and get something delivered, get the Postmates app, which is available for iOS and Android. You can find your favorites and get anything you want delivered within the hour. No more trips to the store. No more trips to the fast food drive through lines. You don't have to worry about any of that anymore because Postmates will bring it right to you. And right now, you can get $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days when you download the Postmates app and use the code LOCKEDON. That's code LOCKEDON for $100 of free delivery credit with no minimum purchase for your first seven days. Anything you need, anytime you need it, Postmate it. And stay locked on Dodgers. All right, let's do our obscure former Dodger. Uh, t- talking about Tony Watson coming over from the Pirates. Uh, you know, and I was thinking about another trade the Dodgers made with the Pirates once upon a time. And uh, it was actually a three-team trade. The Red Sox were involved. But the Dodgers sent Andy LaRoche to the Pirates. And uh, in return, the Dodgers got a young man named Manny Ramirez from the Red Sox. And that uh, ended up being a great trade for the Dodgers because Andy LaRoche never amounted to anything. And Manny Ramirez uh, maybe didn't amount to as much as he should have, (laughs) Uh, but he definitely dominated when he was on the field with the Dodgers and helped lead them to the postseason and was a sensation and all of that. Uh, But we're not talking about Manny Ramirez because he's not obscure. But Andy LaRoche, unfortunately, did end up obscure. The Dodger, he was drafted in 2002 out of junior college by the Padres and didn't sign. And then the next year, uh, he basically, people were thinking of him as a first rounder, but he had committed to go to Rice, I think it was. Uh, and and he seemed to be intent on going to college. He had he had made it known to some teams that he was he was transferring to a big baseball powerhouse school and so don't bother drafting him and the Dodgers actually took him in the 39th round 
which is the second to last round, uh, and they ended up signing him. He he took a couple months to sign, but he got a good bonus, and they signed him, and then he just tore it up in the minors. He was a great, great hitter in the minor leagues. They moved him from shortstop to third base in the minors, uh, but he hit everywhere he went, and it was just understood Andy LaRoche is going to be a star. And, you know, he was uh, from a baseball family. His brother Adam LaRoche was a solid ball player. Their dad, Dave LaRoche, had been a, a good pitcher when I was a kid. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, Andy LaRoche was understood he was going to be a star. And so when the Dodgers traded him for Manny Ramirez, I mean, he had had two cups of coffee with the Dodgers the previous two years and had not done very well. Uh, but still, it was understood. He is going to be really good. And then he just wasn't. And he bounced around forever and ever. And finally uh, was released for the last time in 2015, um, having only played a total of 404 big league games with a 640 OPS. Just never. He was kind of the definition of a, a 4A player, a guy who is too good for AAA, but doesn't have what it takes to, to play in the big leagues. And now he's a minor league hitting coach, I think. So that is your obscure former Dodger, Andy LaRoche. You have any thoughts on him, Vince? No, he was one of a few guys back around that time that, you know, did, never never really panned out. So don't take for granted, you know, the recent string of Dodger success with minor leaguers because obviously they're doing something right and uh, there's a lot more successes than misses at this point. Yeah, yeah, it would be like if you imagine Corey Seager instead of turning into, you know, finishing third in the MVP and winning the Rookie of the Year unanimously if instead he had played for a month and was lousy and got sent back to AAA. That's Andy LaRoche. So, um, all right, so going back to 2017, the August, you know, the Dodgers started started off August basically the way July had went. Not quite as hot, you know, as we mentioned. They only lost three games in July, uh, but they, they came – they started off 17 and five in their first 22 games in August. They stretched their lead in the division from 14 games to 21 games. And so really you could say, I mean, obviously up 14 games at the end of July, it's mostly over, but up 21 games on August 25th. Yeah. The, the season is over. They put, they put the division away in August. And so in that way, it was a very successful month. Uh, but the way it ended was, a precursor to some lousiness. They lost their last five games, which obviously led into even more lousiness in September. But there were a lot of individual games in August that are worth talking about, including Hugh Darvish's debut with the Dodgers, which came on Friday, August 4th, just a few days after he was traded, went up against the Mets, uh, against Jacob deGrom, who, uh, as we know, is a very good pitcher. And uh, deGrom pitched fine, gave up five runs in, in or three runs in five innings, Darvish gave up zero runs on three hits in seven innings with 10 strikeouts. He, everything about that performance made us Dodger fans feel really good about the trade the Dodgers just made, right? Yeah, definitely. It was, uh, you know, pretty much you couldn't really ask for anything better. I mean, complete game and maybe 15 strikeouts, but uh, realistically you couldn't ask for anything better. He came in and did exactly what he outdueled Jacob deGrom, who the Dodgers had, you know, lost or had faced the Mets in the in the world in the playoffs two years before that, so there was still maybe a little bit of stuff going on there. And he came in and did exactly what he needed to do, and it was a good start to the U Darvish era. 
Uh, if you compare, you know, the first start to the last start, it's a little bit, it's a lot different. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, they started the, the month on a nine-game road trip, uh, but they went, what, seven and two in those nine games? And it was just, it seemed like just more of the same. They were going to just dominate. Cody Bellinger started off hot, you know, hitting homers. And uh, what's the next game we want to talk about, Vince? Just going chronologically. Yeah, uh, I think... You know, pretty standard up until the one walk-off against the White Sox, which had five walk-offs in July only. I mean, in yeah, in July, only one in August. Uh, but this one, it was a different person. It was Yasiel Puig and another very good Joe Davis call. Um, basically saying it, the exact one is uh, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of who and when. And that's just kind of how it felt at that point. And you alluded before the before we started uh, that Logan Forsythe was also a part of that walk off. He he tied the game up and uh, was the one that you know put him in position to win it. So uh, Logan Forsythe was a under. I mean, overall as a Dodger, not great. But that year we've already talked about him more than I thought. Yeah, and that was the second time in about three weeks that that Puig had had a big hit that took the Dodgers from trailing to ahead you know obviously the other one was on the road in miami so it wasn't a walk-off but yeah the the dodgers were down four to three when Puig hit that double and he drove in forsyth and whoever it was barnes or somebody um but yeah that that walk-off and that call by joe and yeah you just can't i mean i could watch an hour-long clip of just joe davis calls from 2017 and and i would really really enjoy that definitely that's uh maybe something we can do one of these days yeah yeah. Let's see. Then the Dodgers had a walk-off loss that uh, is sad. <laughs> it was the game that Rich Hill had a perfect game going into the – was it the eighth inning that Forsyth made the error? I think so. I think it was the eighth. It might have even been the, the bottom of the ninth. Um, but it was late in the game. Forsyth was playing third base, which he wasn't – wasn't his usual position. He made an error uh, to break up the perfect game, but Hill still had the no-hitter going. It was in the ninth. The ninth inning. Hill had the no-hitter going, finished nine innings uh, with the no-hitter intact, but unfortunately the Dodgers had not scored either. And Hill came back out, and he was, you know, there was question about whether he would, but he was only at 90-something pitches, uh, I think 95 pitches. And he came out, and in the bottom of the 10th, uh, with the leadoff hitter Josh Harrison, went to two and one count, and then on the fourth pitch, he hit a walk-off home run. So Hill went from perfect game to no-hitter to one-hitter loss. And uh, just kind of long, one in a long line of heartbreaks for Rich Hill as a Dodger. Yeah, that game was definitely, you know, finally they got a guy who was pitching, you know, perfect game, no hitter that they weren't going to pull out like they had in, in recent years and, and, you know, kind of was the running joke with Dave Roberts around that time. And he gets through nine innings and, of course, the Dodgers haven't scored. And then, you know, they let him go after the 10th, which we were all surprised about because, like I said, at that time, the Dodgers already had the huge lead in the division. You know, it wasn't really a game they necessarily needed. Uh, Rich Hill was the guy that they had always been cautious with. So it was surprising to see him go back out for the 10th, but maybe it ended up being a good thing. The first guy hit a home run. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's uh that was his 99th pitch of the game. 
And, you know, you definitely, he wouldn't have been back for the 11th inning. And so at that point, I guess if he had gotten a quick one, two, three, maybe they let him go one more inning if the Dodgers had scored. But yeah, that's a, that's a rough way to lose. I, I actually didn't watch that game. I had softball that night. And so I was listening to it uh, on the, the radio broadcast on my phone in my pocket while I'm pretending to play first base and slow pitch softball. Uh, but I've still never actually watched a single highlight from that game because I, it, it would make me too sad. It's just a ugly, ugly thought to watch that. Yeah, a couple other things in August. I guess the main one, uh, the Dodgers traded Chris Hatcher away and they actually picked up Dylan Floro off waivers, but it didn't really matter that year. But they traded for Curtis Granderson uh, in August. And at that time, we, you know, we thought it was a cool little move. It was... Uh, some left-handed power and a guy who you know, was univ- universally respected, I would say. And at that time, he had an 815 OPS. He had 19 home runs. It was seemingly a good move. It didn't quite work out that great, although he did hit a home run in his second game as a Dodger, even though the Dodgers lost that game. But, uh, but yeah, Curtis Grant, at that time, that was just another move that we thought, hey, now this team is is gearing up for a World Series run. Yeah, yeah. Granderson was a big deal trade, and like you said, it didn't work out. He he started off okay and ended up just terrible. He really, really struggled. He, he made some postseason rosters, but uh, didn't do anything there either, and ju- it was more out of necessity, and he wasn't on the World Series roster and he just, yeah, he struggled really bad and, like, struggled to even put the bat on the ball at times, which was sad to see because, like you said, Granderson is one of the most likable guys in baseball. He had a track record of success. It just did not work out. And with the Dodgers, he hit 161 with a 654 OPS. He did have seven home runs, but, uh, you know, didn't really, like I said, making contact. Uh, you basically knew that if any ball in the dirt, he was going to flail at it at that point. Yep. And then, uh, yeah, the last five games of August, like I said, they, the Dodgers, after winning the first game against the Brewers uh, at near the end of August, they lost the last two of that series. Then they went to Arizona, and what started a trend with the D-backs, they lost, got swept by the D-backs. Fernando Rodney had two saves, which, you know, made you wonder what in the world is going on. Uh, I don't remember the specifics, but I assume that neither of them were we're without excitement, but, uh, yeah. So they, they ended the, the month 17 and 10, I believe. Uh, yeah. And, but they, at that point, they were still up by 16 games. They were 91 and 41 by the end of the season. Oh, that's the other thing that happened in August was they officially beat their 2013 record when they had gone 42 and eight in a 50 game stretch. Uh, they, they got to 43 and seven in a 50 game stretch at this point, covering mostly July and August and, uh, August 5th. Okay. And then, yeah. And they, they continued to do well. I mean, it was, it was ridiculous. If you look at from, from the beginning of June. So after June 6th, they were 35 and 25. And then after August 25th, they were 91 and 36, which means that they had gone 46 and 11, sorry, 56 and 11 in that time. 
that is ridiculous. And that summer was so much fun to watch them. Uh, you, you just felt like as long as I wasn't in the stadium, you, you felt like the Dodgers were going to win every game. <laughs> the Jeff Snyder curse. What a time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, so luckily they did put the, the division away early, you know, by late August, because then as we'll talk about on tomorrow's episode, uh, the struggles at the end of August bled into September and got worse. And, uh, September was definitely an up and down month. September was, I wouldn't say a fun month. Um, you know, at the, at August when you said they were up 21 games and, you know, the division's pretty much wrapped up. It was just a matter of, of when they were going to clinch and how many games they were going to win that season. And then September was still a matter, you know, the division was never really in question, but you started sweating maybe a little for some other things. Yep. So we'll talk more about that tomorrow. You have anything last thoughts on August events? No, no, we are, we're, we're nearing the end of the fun year that was 2017. Yeah. I was thinking maybe on Friday when we talk about October, maybe we will just uh, talk about the world series the way it should have been and how Clayton Kershaw pitched a gem in game five to, you know, put the Dodgers up three games to two. And then the Dodgers finished it off in game six, beating Verlander. And uh, he won their world's first World Series since 1988. So maybe we'll talk about what really happened. But that's what should have happened, dang it. True that, true that. Yeah, that'll wrap it up for today. Thank you all for listening to Locked on Dodgers. Please subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. If you have Apple Podcasts, even if you don't use it, go ahead and subscribe there to help other people find us. You can rate and review us on iTunes. That always helps. Uh, and you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Locked on Dodgers. Vince is on Twitter at Vince Semperio. I'm on Twitter at Snydog. DMs are open on all of those. You can email us, LockedOnDodgers at gmail.com, or you can call and leave us a voicemail or shoot us a text anytime you want at 323-863-LOCK-5625. We are here every weekday morning, and we hope you will be here with us. When you get in your car or plop on your couch, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Dodgers. And remember, you don't have to agree. You just have to listen. We'll talk to you later. Have a good one. D, I say D-O, D-O-D-G-E-R-S. The team that's all heart, all heart and all thumbs, they're my Los Angeles, your Los Angeles, our Los Angeles. Do you think we'll really win the pennant? Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. They've designed must-have travel styles for when you need to jet. The lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit make these shoes some of the most packable styles ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Take the Superlight Tree Runner on your next adventure. Its cushy, lightweight foam midsole supports every step, and the extra outsole traction gives you the grip to just go for it. The eucalyptus fiber upper adds next-level breathability to keep you going all day. Plus, the Superlight Tree Runner is comfortable and ready to go right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Superlight shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And, because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24.